What's up, you beautiful bastards? Hope you have a fantastic Thursday. Welcome back to the Philip DeFranco Show, and let's just jump into it. And the first thing we're gonna talk about today is we had fighter and entrepreneur Conor McGregor in the news for a uh, not great reason. Footage has now emerged of him seemingly sucker punching an old man. According to reports, the video is from April 6th, the location, the Marble Arch Pub. As we see in the video and as TMZ Sports explains, Connor walked in and lined up cups for bar patrons looking to buy a round of his proper 12 for everyone. That, if you don't know, is his whiskey. And then you see in the video, there's a guy that does not want the drink. He refuses it, he moves the cup. Connor places another one in front of him, he refuses it again. There's then a jump in time in the CCTV footage, but obviously things seem way more tense. Connor McGregor is saying something, the man turns away, and then Connor punches him in the head. And McGregor is then removed from the situation. Now, regarding this incident, actually back in April, the Irish Mirror reported that police were investigating an assault claim against McGregor, saying that the violence was preceded by a verbal exchange with a report citing an unnamed source saying McGregor was being a show off in the pub and one man didn't like it and went up to have a word with him. With a second source saying that before the altercation, someone approached McGregor saying the Russian battered you, which if you don't know, is a reference to another fighter by the name of Khabib. He's a Russian fighter who beat McGregor in a fight back in October. And I guess regarding that report, I, I would say one, unless there's something else in the CCTV footage. It looks like there is a discrepancy. It looks like the old man who ends up getting punched was just at the bar. He or someone else might have said something. You know, there, there is CCTV footage that we're not seeing here. We don't have the audio. Although, too, it is possible that a Khabib comment could have really set McGregor off. I mean, business and money-wise, he seems to be doing fantastically, but the last fight he won was against a bus. understand, I'm not saying if the old guy made a Khabib comment that it justifies being assaulted. It appears just to be another example of McGregor being unable or just uninterested in controlling himself. And here's the thing, I know that there are a number of responses out there going like, oh, McGregor, he's lost his touch, he sucker punched an old man, he didn't even knock him off his stool. I'm not gonna go that route. I will acknowledge that McGregor is a fantastic fighter. He is a beast in the ring. And because he's in that, in this situation, it makes him an even bigger bitch for sucker punching an old guy. And the final thing that I'll say here is I think a lot of it does stem from the fact that he probably feels untouchable. And given the end result of his otherwise just insane actions, like when he attacked that bus full of fighters, something that if you or I did, God knows what the sentence would have been. But he got five days community service and then you wonder why he feels like he's untouchable. And understand, I say all of this as someone that's been a fan of Conor McGregor, but I'm not gonna let the fact that I was a fan of his, that I was a fan of his story, his rise, his drive coming up, his, his expertise as both a tactician in the octagon as well as an entertainer, blind me to the reality of the situation, of who his actions reveal him to truly be. But that is where I'm gonna leave this one and of course pass the question off to you. What are your thoughts around all of this? Then in fighting news where both people involved know that they're gonna be Punching each other? It's being reported by The Athletic Boxing that an industry official tells them that Matchroom Boxing intends to bring the Logan Paul KSI rematch to the Staples Center on November 9th. Also noting that it will be a sellout event, which I really wouldn't be surprised by. The first fight, at least business-wise, was an immense success. They sold out the Barclays Center, reportedly 800,000 people plus purchased the pay-per-view. There were reports that they made around 40 million pounds, which is about 48 million US dollars from the event. And arguably, this could be a winner because I think there were a number of people that were upset that there was a draw and they want to see a winner declare. Notably, both creators are as big or even more popular than they were when the first fight happened. And I know I'll get some crap from this. I thoroughly enjoyed the entire event last time. Like even, even a bunch of the undercard fights were, were weird or interesting. But yeah, personally, I hope to see this happen. Then actually on the note of YouTube slash business, YouTube announced a huge change today that is going to affect record labels as well as a ton of creators. Now in the past, we've seen YouTube creators and even very, very large 
creators complained that their videos are being manually claimed by record labels because there was a song that kind of like accidentally played in the other room or someone kind of almost hummed something for a second. And all of a sudden this record label that made a manual claim was just taking all of the money they were making from this video. Well, YouTube announced that they are putting an end to that and it may get better or it may get worse. And the change is that this company or person that is making this manual claim on this audio snippet, they will no longer be given the option to monetize, but they will still be given the option to prevent monetization or block the video. In a tweet, YouTube citing examples for unintentional audio, they reference passing cars, for short song clips, they give an example of five seconds of a song. And also YouTube notes that this is separate from the content ID system where you get these kind of automatic claims. And as far as the reason for this change, YouTube said in a blog post, one concerning trend we've seen is aggressive manual claiming of very short music clips used in monetized videos. These claims can feel particularly unfair as they transfer all revenue from the creator to the claimant, regardless of the amount of music claimed. Right, and so this could be good, but it could also be devastating. It could be good because it is removed Moving the monetary incentive for these companies to have people that are just scouring any video for the smallest thing that wasn't picked up by Content ID. But at the same time, there is a question of, well, will it result in more videos just being fully demonetized or blocked? And as far as my opinion on it, I honestly don't know if it will be effective. I'm hopeful. On paper, it makes sense. You're taking away their ability to siphon money from YouTubers because of accidental audio playing. So if there was no money to be had, why would record labels continue to pay people to search for non-egregious uses of music? But also at the same time, I've never heard someone say, yeah, those guys at the record label, they're super chill about their music in other people's videos. And so maybe for some of these companies, it's more about making a statement. Although I, I will say, I feel like the, the PR here would be a nightmare. But ultimately, we have to wait and see. A change has been made. Now we wait to see how people react. But ultimately, the more that I think about it, the more I think this is going to be a fantastic and huge move. But that said, of course, I pass the question off to you. And then let's talk about a topic that will be in no way polarizing to anyone, Israel. So back in July, it was reported that Israel was going to allow representatives Ilhan Omar and Rashida Tlaib to enter the country. This according to Israeli ambassador to the US, Ron Dermer, regardless of their support for the BDS movement, which if you're unfamiliar is the boycott, divestment, and sanctions movement. And Axios describes it as a Palestinian-led boycott, which says that it is working to apply economic, moral, and political pressure on Israel until it ends its occupation of Palestinian territories, recognizes Palestinian citizens of Israel as equal, and allows Palestinian refugees to return. Also, it's seen as a protest of Israel and specific it's West Bank settlements, which are considered illegal under international law. And those who support the movement compare it to the boycotts of South Africa during apartheid, while opponents of the movement say that it is anti-Semitic and undermines Israel as a Jewish state. And this was a big deal because there was a relatively new law in Israel where essentially if you had a foreign official that supported publicly the BDS movement, they would be barred from entering the company. But also at the same time, if a, a member of US Congress was denied access to Israel, that would be unprecedented. Well, we fast forward to today, and like we've seen a lot over the past few years, uh, a precedent has been set. Israeli officials announced that they would be banning representatives Ilhan Omar and Rashida Tlaib from entering the country. And the two of them were scheduled to leave for that upcoming trip on Sunday. On that trip, which was privately organized, reportedly Tlaib and Omar were going to go to both Israel and Palestine to tour holy sites and meet with activists and humanitarian leaders. But also there, there were no official meetings scheduled. Additionally, Tlaib, whose family is actually from Palestine, was also planning to stay a few days longer to visit her grandma who lives in the West Bank. Now, while this move is unprecedented, it is also not the most shocking. There were reports last week that President Trump had told his aides that he thought Israel Israeli Prime Minister Netanyahu should bar the two women from entering the country. Although regarding that, White House Press Secretary Stephanie Grisham denied the report, saying the Israeli government can do what they want. It's fake news. Although this morning in between tweeting about China and blaming the media for what is happening to the economy, Trump tweeted, it would show great weakness if Israel allowed Representative Omar and Representative Tlaib to visit. They hate Israel and all Jewish people, and there is nothing that can be said or done to change their minds. Minnesota and Michigan will have a hard time putting them back in office. They are a disgrace. Then saying that the two of them are the face of the Democrat Party 
and they hate Israel. So Grisham can say fake news, but it seems correct. Yeah. Notably, it was also reported yesterday that Netanyahu was holding meetings with cabinet officials to reach a final decision about the representatives, initially saying they would announce their decision on Wednesday. But they ended up actually postponing the announcements today after receiving backlash from Democratic leadership and a few U.S.-based pro-Israel organizations. They reportedly warning them that this move would be inconsistent with Israel's claim that they are a tolerant and open democracy. But then, of course, today came and they made that announcement. Following it, we saw a lot of responses criticizing the move. Elizabeth Warren tweeting, Israel doesn't advance its case as a tolerant democracy or unwavering U.S. ally by barring elected members of Congress from visiting because of their political views. This would be a shameful, unprecedented move. We also saw Bernie Sanders tweet saying that this ban from Israel is a sign of enormous disrespect to these elected leaders, to the United States Congress, and to the principles of democracy, calling for a reversal of the decision. And another tweet in part saying, opposing Netanyahu's policies is not, quote, hating the Jewish people. Also notably, we saw a number of U.S.-based Israeli organizations criticizing the move. The American Jewish Coalition, which advocates for closer U.S.-Israel ties, tweeted a statement saying, AJC believes that out of two less-than-ideal options, neither of which was risk-free, Israel did not choose wisely by reversing its original decision. Israel Policy Forum, a New York-based Jewish organization, also shared a series of tweets writing, any sitting member of Congress should be welcome to visit Israel as official representatives of Israel's closest ally and most critical source of international support. And adding, denying them entry can only serve to harden their current views along with delivering an insult to the U.S. Congress, exacerbating partisan divides on Israel and creating a dangerous precedent. We strongly urge Prime Minister Netanyahu to reconsider. Even APEC, which is one of the most powerful pro-Israel lobbies, tweeted out, We disagree with Representatives Omar and Tlaib's support for the anti-Israel and anti-peace BDS movement, along with Representative Tlaib's call for a one-state solution. But then also adding, We also believe every member of Congress should be able to visit and experience our democratic ally Israel firsthand. But of course, there are also people who supported Israel's decision. With conservative commentator Stephen Crowder tweeting, If I'm not mistaken, Omar and Tlaib's itinerary read Palestine and didn't even mention Israel. They were going to actively lobby against Israel. Bibi made the right call. Through the likes of Ben Shapiro calling the move justified, but saying that this is still a PR mistake for Israel. Fox News host and commentator Mark Levin also tweeting, Israel is right to deny entry to its country by these two bigots. We also saw Netanyahu release a statement saying, As a vibrant and free democracy, Israel is open to all its critics and criticism, with one exception. Israeli law prohibits the entry of people who call and operate to boycott Israel. And Israel's interior minister also backed up the decision, saying the state of Israel respects the U.S. Congress as part of the close alliance, but it is inconceivable that anyone who wishes to harm the state of Israel will be allowed. Though, the minister did say that he would consider allowing Tlaib to visit her family. And on that note, we saw Tlaib respond on Twitter, sharing a picture of her grandmother and writing, The decision by Israel to bar her granddaughter, a U.S. congresswoman, is a sign of weakness because the truth of what is happening to Palestinians is frightening. We also saw Omar respond in a statement on Twitter where she said, It is an affront that Israeli Prime Minister Netanyahu, under pressure from President Trump, would deny entry to representatives of the U.S. government. And adding that the move by Israel is an insult to democratic values and a chilling response to a visit by government officials from an allied nation. But ultimately, as of recording this video, that is where we are. It's going to be interesting to see how this situation develops. And of course, as always, I'd love to know your thoughts on this situation. And that's where I'm going to end today's show. And hey, if you like this video, be sure to like, subscribe, and share. Also, after today's video, if you're looking for more to watch, you can check out our extra bonus news deep dive, or maybe you just missed yesterday's show, you want to catch up, you can click or tap right there to watch those. But with that said, of course, as always, my name's Philip DeFranco. You've just been filled in. I love your faces, and I'll see you next time.